0: Katie Time friends, how y'all doing? Not too long ago, I did an episode about adulting and what it means to be an adult, right? It was called adulting, it was probably a few episodes back. And one of the main things that you have to do as an adult essentially is work. Maybe you're working from home, which I'm sure most of us are or have experienced this and are still experiencing this. Most adults and teens all old enough do work either a nine to five job or if you work in retail then it's any combination of hours eight to four, twelve to eight, three to eleven, four to twelve or something like that. There's some different combination of hours anywhere between six a.m. and eleven at night or if you're doing the you know the night shifts then it's you know it's any time between Midnight and 6 a.m. So it's a full circle, to be honest with you. It's a full circle where people are working almost constantly all the time. Especially in, like, customer service or, you know, people who work on the phones. They're working almost all the time. And I've worked in retail. And there was some good and bad when it came to timing. I mean... There were some shifts that were pretty cool where I would come in early and then I'd get to leave early. So if I came in at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning and then I could leave at like 2, it's like a half shift or whatever, that was pretty good. Then I still had the rest of the day to do something, especially on a Saturday, you know. I mean, it. at some point sometimes if you don't have things to do, then you're legit just going to work and then coming home. It's an endless cycle, really. But, you know, when it came to timing, there was some good and bad when it came to working in retail. Especially if you would work a night shift and then you have to turn around and do a morning shift. That was probably the bad side of retail. And What I mean is, I would come in at like maybe the 3 to 11 slot and then have to turn around and work from 8 to 4 the next day. So, it was, it, it felt like you legit didn't leave the workspace you just you would just be there almost a complete 48 hours or you know two days but you you'd literally only leave to go to sleep so it was just kind of like and then the worst the worst part about working night shifts at retail was having to deal with the train system after a certain time if you didn't catch the train at least between you know 11 and eleven thirty, then you could be sitting there waiting for a train for a long time because weekend hours for New York trains were terrible, terrible. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. But the one good thing about working on the weekend was that you could drive to work and if you came early enough, there was a spot waiting for you or, you know, you found a spot to work in because there were also times where I would drive to work and then I'd have to circle around a while and I'm like, oh crap, I'm going to be late to clocking in because I'm looking for parking. There was only one time that I parked too, I guess, too close to a hydrant and came out to find that my car was gone. So lesson learned, you know, don't pick shifts that <laughs> would cause for that to happen. But yeah, so, you know, I don't ever want to do that again because it, it whenever I do a shift that would just sort of sort of seemingly just carried into the next day it always felt like you never left so i was like i was it was like literally back on the grind as soon as you woke up and had to like go to work it was ridiculous so i don't ever want to do that again and i pray that i don't have to because i hated retail i absolutely hated it i mean i'd love the people i just didn't love the timing and maybe some of the customers but you know That's a different story for another time. I love my 9-to-5 job right now, and I don't have to work on weekends, so amen to that. Working on the weekends used to be, like when I was a teenager, it was like, okay, you know, this is not too bad. But then as you get older, you're just kind of like, wait, I can't have the weekends to myself? This is what I live for. What what else am I supposed to do? (laughs) It's a true blessing to not have to work on the weekends, let me just tell you that. I work in an office and not in retail, which is a different beast all on its own working in an office, but the hours are awesome. Like the hours in general for retail are absolutely ridiculous though, right? I always say that the worst work shift that you may wonder in retail is probably those midday shifts where you're legit there for majority of the day it felt like you you had a little bit of like yeah okay you could sleep in in the morning but you still have to get up and get dressed and if it took you an hour to get to work because of the trains and you know that's another chunk of time that you're spending outside just going to work like it just felt like a never-ending cycle of being at work and going to work right And on a Saturday, your whole day is practically gone if you're working a 12 to 8, you know. You could do stuff in the morning, yeah, but as soon as you're coming off of that 8 p.m. shift, and if you work a little bit more because something happened of every... It doesn't matter where you work, y'all. I'm working in an office right now, but I don't leave at 5 o'clock all the time. I leave whenever the job is done, which sometimes is 5.30 or 6 p.m., so I'm like, I should leave though because I'm not getting paid for that, so it's just like you know you just it it is hard when in well in retail you you get paid by the hour mostly, so if you did work an extra time, and you did clock out later, then it's like some- at some point the boss would be like, "All right, well, you gotta take a longer break tomorrow because we gotta balance this out you you can't work more hours than we give you, and it's just like okay, whatever." <laughs> at least I'm doing the work, you know what I mean? But yeah, the day is practically gone when you work those midday shifts and you can't do much more before it. You can't do much after. I mean, yeah, if you do something after you go out after with some friends or whatever, then you have to, if and you have, and you didn't have to the next day plan to take off, like it's not off, then you have to work again. So it's like, You know, what's the point of going out if you have to come back into work the next day? This is exactly what I talked about in adulting, where it's just like, you have to make those decisions and then there's consequences that might follow, you know? So, and the other thing was like, if I did, yeah, if I did a shift that was like 3 to 11, I wouldn't come home until late because of the train nonsense. There's always train nonsense. There's always train nonsense, whether there's a, you know... There's something that happens where the train didn't always go my direction home. That that happened a lot, actually. Even when I stopped working in retail and I started working in an office, the train would just all of a sudden say, you know what, we're not going to Flatbush. We're going to go to Crown. The 2 and the 5 train would just change their mind all of a sudden and start going towards the 3 and 4 route when it was going southbound back to Brooklyn. And I'm just like, What the actual cuss? Why doesn't that happen for the other side of the train? Why does the three and four train not just pop up in Flatbush? You know, I've never seen it. I'm like, I've never seen the three or four train just come to to Flatbush. (laughs) You know what I mean? But, uh, But the five train was just like, we're going straight to Crown. Why? Why were you going to Crown? I don't understand. Why are you going to Crown Street? That don't make no sense. Like when I say Crown, I mean Crown Utica, <laughs> but as that's for my Brooklyn people, if you know what I, if you know you know, you know what I'm saying, but like it uh, the train on the weekend was always the worst, and trains are they have their own issues, and that's another story for another day, I guess, but I do not recommend it to anyone if you're working a Saturday shift and then you have to work a Sunday shift. do not do the night. Least Saturday shift and then work Sunday morning it is not fun at all but if you are working in retail then obviously you know the struggle and I salute you because like I said working in retail is ridiculous and that is another story for another time wow I just spent at least 10 minutes on that I got off the real topic really quickly like that was phew. anyway but then again I didn't really use or say what the actual topic was. Now, what the actual topic is, we've all had a boss, right? We all have a boss or we're even a boss at some points in our lives. I had to be a boss, you know, or the boss at camp, which I talk about often, which it was stressful. It was very stressful, but it was also very rewarding. So some bosses, you know, it's or some times being a boss is pretty dope you know but some of those bosses were loved and others were tolerated right but I remember all my bosses I remember them all they were even from when I was doing the summer youth program way back when I still remember you Ryan that was a dope time thank you in this particular episode though I'll be talking about TV bosses. I bet you didn't see that coming. You probably did, but who knows. We watch them. We fall in love with them and their story. We watch them grow or become even more terrible than, you know, when they started. There's no character arch. There's no character growth. It's crazy how much we invest in the lives of a TV show character as a whole, but that's what happens when you watch TV. Am I right? There were so many great TV show bosses to choose from, but I narrowed down my choices down to to be as simple as it gets. And it was definitely if I had watched the show and if the character was a boss or in that type of setting for the majority of the series. And finally, how they were able to do their job as the boss on the show. So these weren't just like random bosses who were just like, oh, you know... I picked this person, this person, because they were sort of like boss. No, like these were legit people who were in charge on TV. So if you, you know, if you know any of these people, or if you've seen any of these shows, then you understand what I'm talking about. But if I must tell you, I must tell you, my list is small. My list is small. And I really just wrote down the ones that I like, and I wrote down ones. Because they are TV bosses, but I may not have seen the show. Like, I've seen or heard of the show. But my list is really just... Like, I thought about talking about TV bosses because I really like a few particular ones. And I was like, yeah, that, that might be a pretty cool episode to talk about, you know? So do not judge me about not watching the shows. I wish there was more time to watch everything. But if I ever get to that show or if it was a show that was before my time, it is what it is. You know, I'll try to get to the show. I'll try to watch it at some point. But listen, like, you know, we all have things that we watch and then we have shows that are just on our list. But just remember, just remember, take a moment here, just remember, this is just one person's thoughts. Literally, because I am only one person. There will be at least one TV boss you'll know for sure, and others that you think I missed. So, let me know, why don't you? If you think I missed the TV boss, that's probably because I haven't seen the show. Most likely, definitely, because I haven't seen the show Or I haven't really heard of it or it just like didn't cross my mind to include that particular person. Because again, I probably haven't seen the show. Okay? So let me know. Let me know in some comments. Let me know by reaching out to me on Twitter. Whichever. Float your boat. Just let me know. Oh, you know, I have not. I didn't say spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Alright? So this list, again, is really small. But I'm going to start it off by talking about Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons. Montgomery Burns is the type of boss <laughs> that you really don't need in your life. He is so... Like, he's an egomaniac. And he's, he's always trying to find ways to become more rich. Which is dumb. Mr. Burns is... Probably the richest man in the Simpsons world in Springfield. But he always wants more money. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how much more money he wants. And it's funny because Simpsons has always been like that type of show that sort of tells the future a little bit. So it's like, you know... Or or it doesn't really tell the future, but it definitely shows a side of our reality where there are people just like Mr. Burns who are always trying to do or or be and, and get rich or more rich. And, you know, he uses his power and wealth to do whatever the heck he wants. And it it's true. There are people out there who use their power and wealth to do whatever they want. Some have gotten in trouble for it you know (laughs) Aunt Becky but at most at at most he is the kind of guy that he's just always trying like and he doesn't have any of the typical manners or behaviors of a humble person like he's just greedy he's he's an egomaniac like he just always like just doesn't care about people he doesn't care about safety he doesn't care about well-being and what's funny is that I have never seen all of The Simpsons but I can guarantee you that this particular boss definitely left an impact on my viewing life like I've seen him and I've seen enough episodes to know because Simpsons has a ton of episodes and they're all on Disney Plus so I really could just watch them but I remember when I was growing up, Miss my babysitter, Miss Marie, she would always change channel like we would even get through the The Simpsons theme song all the way. Sometimes we did, sometimes we got to at least two minutes or three minutes into the show, but we never actually watched a full episode, and she would always change it because we were too young, and The Simpsons was you know geared towards adult content most of the time, which is true. But I do remember watching a, like, I watched a good handful of episodes. Enough where, like, <laughs> I could quote some. But I've always seen Mr. Burns as, like, the worst, like, he's one of the worst bosses. He's just he doesn't care about his employees. He doesn't care about safety. He always forgets people's names. He only has the one, you know, assistant, Mr. Smithers, who he treats like trash. You don't, and I don't, When I don't know why Mr. Smithers always decides to come back, but, he does, and so, yeah, that he's he's the first one, but listen this is this this list is in no particular order, like I said this these are probably gonna be people that you know or heard of and if there are more bosses out there that I should pay attention to, let me know, so, the next person on the list is is definitely Khadijah James, played by Queen Latifa, she was a. You know, one of the first women bosses that I that I saw on television. This this show is living single. I did talk a little bit about living single about Khadijah's life in that episode where it was like the the tropes kind of thing, where she's like more of the boss type trope. That episode way back when, episode twenty nine, when I spoke about where the highlight of the show was was four women who just you know they lived. In the similar setting, it was all African American sitcom. It was one of the most extremely most popular sitcoms of all to, of its time. It came out in the '90s, and you know it, it focused on how there was family dynamic and also just the, the friendship where Khadijah and her and her, her cousin living with their friend Regine, and so. Khadijah's character, she was an editor and publisher of the magazine Flavor. And, you know, her trope was basically like, she was kind of like a little bit of of an Iron Maiden, but also like a mother figure to the group because she did always give the best advice. Everybody came to her for all kinds of different advice and things. So it was really just where that's what she did. So she's like, I did see her as a very strong, very, you know, important person in my life to just see, like, oh, yes. First of all, the fact that she was a woman boss. Second of all, she was a black woman boss, and that wasn't always seen, especially to me, like, growing up. I didn't always see black women bosses. I mean, granted, my principal in kindergarten was a black woman. She was a black woman, and I felt like, you know, I didn't always see... A black woman in in charge of more predominantly white places or or places that were deemed, you know, accessible. I guess like they, I haven't I never saw like a black woman um who who was in charge of a law a law firm or you know a black doctor boss until of course, uh, Miranda Bailey on gray's Grey's Anatomy, and then you know or. Just in general, like I never saw that in person. There wasn't a whole lot of black women bosses just running around uh, in the 90s, especially just for me as a kid. Like, I to see that, well, not as a kid, but just for me to see that, especially when I rewatched the show of like last year or something, I was just like, wow, you know, this is this is cool. Like, and it didn't, I, the one thing I absolutely adored about living single wasn't the fact that it was just kind of like this, um, this, like, constant conflict between races. It was really just four women who, four women and two, two, um, two guy friends who were just living their life. They did their, they did their jobs, they worked, they faced, you know, adversities. And, but they all, they also just dealt with a lot of friendship stuff, a lot of things with their, you know, their romantic lives. Like, it felt just a, like a regular show and had nothing to do with, all that like extra stuff it was it was like martin and and my wife and kids like yeah there's a little bit of sprinkle of like why is this happening kind of thing like oh you know let's point fingers and let's basically just take something and, and turn it into something else like it was a little bit of that but then they would bring it back to the funny like they you know the the back and forth between Maxine and Kyle like all that which was cool I'm going off topic yet again but what I'm saying is I really enjoyed looking at her as a boss she was a great boss she hired her cousin you know she kept her magazine afloat there were a lot of times where you know not a lot but there were times where she would have to make hard decisions and you know it was a good thing to see like I said, it was just a good thing to see a black woman in charge and being a damn good person doing it. Like, being a damn good boss doing it. So I really enjoyed watching that. That was one of my one of my favorite shows watching, like, like as a teenager. And I was just like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know? Like, I can't believe that this was a TV show. And yes, I still think that Living Single definitely... Opened the gateway to Friends, so if you haven't seen Living Single, and you've seen Friends, you should probably watch Living Single and see the comparison because there's a lot of controversy. Well, not a lot, a lot, but there's a lot of stigma of how Friends basically took the premise, which I don't want to get into people taking things, but they took the premise of Living Single and made it something different in New York. And uh, yeah. But at the same time, like, <laughs> at the same time, it just, I just liked Khadijah as a boss. And that is, I'm gonna end and come off my soapbox there. The next person on this work boss TV list is going to be Ron. Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Ron is a very good boss. He is the kind of boss that I probably. Would enjoy being like working with mostly because (laughs) he doesn't take no slack from nobody, you know what I mean? Like, he's the kind of man that's like, I know what I know what to do, I understand how life works, and I'm gonna do what I need to do to make sure that we're all good here, right? And (laughs) it's just my, I think, the best part about him, about his whole aesthetic. I mean, he's. he he, he's a government worker like he works for the government technically and he hates the government but that's exactly who ron is you know that's exactly who ron is and it's always just so funny to see how he does things and how he acts he's the parks and recs or park parks and recreation director Ron Swanson is played by Nick Offerman, and he prefers lazy employees. Uh, for a quote, he says, I like Tom. He doesn't do a lot of work around here. He shows zero initiative. He's not a team player. He's never wanted to go that extra mile. Tom is exactly what I'm looking for at a government employee. And it's just like, Ron is the kind of, of character that just kind of like, even though he hates his job, even though he, you know, just he really just comes to work and does the bare minimum and just and I love his face, I love his stash, I love his like whole mannerisms. He's just awesome, but watching him in Parks and Rec, especially with you know April and Le- and Leslie, and seeing that great friendship and everything, I always thought I was just kind of like yeah this is this is the kind of boss you want to work for, the kind of guy who sees." issues or problems and thinks all right well let's find a way to fix it in the way that would make the most sense to help myself (laughs) he was he was a great boss and i thought that that was that his whole like his whole aesthetic his whole just like and the way that him and him and april just (laughs) were always perfect like he tell he'd tell her I don't want to take any calls, and she would run with it. Like he, she, she would, she just knew how to treat, like how to be the best assistant for him. And he, you know, he was just kind of like, yeah, like if 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 it doesn't involve anything crazy, don't involve me. Like I don't, I don't want to be a part. <laughs> but he was there, and he loved meat, and he would make so much fun of like people who ate salad. Like he was just like, no. Ah, Parks and Rec is one of those shows where now, after I've seen the whole thing and I've seen it a couple times, it's definitely one of those shows that I that I'm glad that it's syndicated and like you can watch it wherever, wherever, whenever. You can just pop it on, and doesn't matter what episode, doesn't matter what scene, comes on. You legit just like watch it, and and it's like you've you've already seen everything. You know what I mean? Like I really like that about. Parks and Rec, The Good Place, New Girl, Brooklyn Nine Nine, you know, The Nanny, even Living Single, even My Wife and Kids, Martin. Martin is a good show where you literally just, you know, pop it on and it doesn't <laughs> matter what's going on in that particular episode, you're crying laughing. Like, you don't even have to watch what happened before <laughs> that episode, you're just crying laughing. And so, Parks and Rec for me, has reached that kind of status where I could just put it on and it is background noise, but at the same time, if something funny is happening, I'm definitely sitting down to watch. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's that was a good one. That's a good one. The next TV work boss is... The champ is here. Annalise Keating. That's right. From How to Get Away with Murder. Now, you wouldn't typically believe that she was a boss but she is you know she is a boss and the reason I'm mentioning her is because first of all she's an accomplished attorney and law school professor like if you watch the show yeah Annalise Keating she's confident she's smart she's intelligent she's beautiful she's like she's crazy <laughs> but at the same time she is a boss okay anytime she stepped foot in a courtroom the judge the 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 prosecution whatever like the other side is just like uh-uh, nope you can't touch her you know what i mean like they they come in there trying they try to beat her but they can't and i think One of her best qualities is how strong she is, especially, especially when it came to her students and when it came to her relationships. The one thing that I did not like about the show and it's and it's like constant, constant, like just it would try and break her down so much. And I think the part that bothered me was the fact. That her students, like if you've never seen the show, watch the show. But her students would legit, time after time, sit there and try and blame this woman for all of their problems. And I'm like, what? Y'all have your own minds. No one's forcing you to do anything that you did on this show. you made your decisions deal with it and that was probably the only thing i didn't like about the show was the fact that like every single time something happened they would run to annalise they'd run to viola davis's character and say oh can you help me what would you do and she would do just that she would help them and then they'd turn around and act like she was the 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 mastermind and the villain she didn't have anything to do with any of the stuff that happened but yet because of who she was because of how well she did in court people around her kept trying to take her down and they did not succeed they couldn't succeed you know she ran a law firm that employed students from her class which was pretty dope actually how do you just hire people from your class i mean yeah from your class and just say hey You, you, you know, the the, the five or whatever are going to work for me. You're going to work for me and you're going to learn from me and you're going to be the best lawyers that this country's going to have. And you're going to do that with me, like with the best, like the, the what's crazy, what's absolutely crazy. I mean, I mean, it's not crazy, but the fact that there was a crossover episode between how I get how to get away with murder and scandal Okay, that's how much power or that's how that's how much of the best lawyer she was. Because not only not only did Olivia Pope come out here and talk about some I need you because you're the best. You know what I mean? Okay. (sighs) Don't like yeah. And also once again like she was another Black woman boss on television, which was pretty darn cool. And yeah, of course she had a past. I mean that part, like her past and her past with certain students and how all these different people came to be in the weird web of how to get away with murder was crazy. Like she didn't. Her dad was absent. Her mom let certain things happen, you know, to her. She had a very hard childhood and then a hard life growing up and then she had an adulterous husband and she lost her baby in a car accident that wasn't you know a car accident it was actually you know, preemptive like the show was crazy the show was crazy and with everything that was happening and you just, I, I I was just sitting there like what how are they going to get out of this what's going to happen next how is this going to work and I think that <laughs> the way that it ended was actually really beautiful. Like I was convinced the ending was gonna be like, you know, traumatic for me. But it was really good. I liked the way they ended the show. And again, if you haven't seen, I won't spoil I won't spoil that, but seriously, Annalise Keating, played by Viola Davis, was phenomenal. That was a great boss she was a great boss and the, like, like even while her students kept blaming her and kept like oh my gosh we're gonna go to jail we need to to confess we need to do this we need to do that and she's like you don't understand like i can i can help you i can make it look like you guys didn't do anything and she did where was the thanks hmm? where was the thanks no they let their guilt they let their mind just t- like i mean she was basically doing her job Give or take, yeah, it was you know it's terrible that she was on that side of the law where she helped murderers <laughs> get away with murder, but that's the whole premise of the show. You, you, you how to get away with murder? You become a lawyer and you talk your way out of it. Apparently, ah, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. The next on list is everyone's favorite i think i think he's everyone's favorite boss i could uh, i think so only because like this show is talked about everywhere this show is a talking point for certain people to talk and get into relationships this show is the one where you know if you haven't seen it people are just like (gasps) what you haven't seen it i haven't seen it like what are you serious come on this show has probably been talked about and like torn apart put back together ran down shaken all of it for a long time the show i'm talking about you probably already know the office michael scott michael scott played by steve carell he is the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin Paper Company probably one of the best bosses on my list only because he was he was the best. I love Steve Carell. I love his comedy. Yeah. Michael Scott is just he's funny, he's lovable and then he's like you know, he wants to be the boss but also be a a love boss and it's funny because like he wants people to like fear him sort of and the only person that really fears him is probably Dwight but even still Dwight's like I could do this job and I could do it like this and like this and like this but we're all glad that Dwight was never (laughs) a boss but it's just he even and then and then I loved his relationship with Pam although it was at most inappropriate all the time with you know among her his relationship with her mom and when she you know she would always have to hear like ridiculously uncomfortable jokes you know or just like some of his mannerisms but it's just like he is that that, he's that boss that you kind of want to be around because not that he would make you particularly better at your job but he'd probably make it a lot of fun, you know, like you don't feel like, you're com- like you come like the way that the show portrayed it was really just like you the people coming to work didn't really feel like they were coming to work in vain if that makes sense. You know they they were they were good with coming to work and, and doing whatever with him. But at the same time, <laughs> like, th- his timing wasn't always the greatest. Like, he'd always make weird jokes that were really funny. He would interrupt work with, you know, pointless meetings and ridiculous ideas. And just always, like, did something that, you know, doesn't really exude leadership behavior. Didn't really exude managerial behavior. But at the same time, like, he was, he was really funny. Well, he was funny to us who's, who's watching or just kind of like, well, I think we really just love to see the interactions. Like whenever he said something or did something and you saw like the people's faces and it's just like, yeah, that's, a, that's probably exactly the kind of environment that people would just be like, okay, so I can't exactly tell you off because you're my boss. So I'm going to make this face like, uh, okay, cool. you know Michael tries so hard he tries to be cool he tries to be relevant he tries to you know be up to date with things and all that but it comes off a lot of the times as he's just not all there he's clueless he's you know insensitive especially to women just (sighs) but at the same time like he's one of those bosses like people gravitate towards you know he's a big goofball and he and and eventually the people in the office grow to love him, you know, and I think what what makes him a very typical kind of office boss is just that like he's he knows how to do his job really well, he knows how to sell paper, and that's really what they're trying to do is sell paper, which i'm I'm like still. You know, wondering how that was really <laughs> how that was really a job premise for them because they really barely sold paper in front of us like we just would watch and we'd mostly watch for Jim and Pam and we'd watch for Jim and Dwight for their interactions, but we never actually saw them all like sell paper well, but he was he did and some there were some episodes where they sold paper, but it was just kind of like it was just major corporation where there's d- different dudemmiron all over the place. And they sold paper. I don't know. Is that a is, is that a thing where people just sell paper nowadays? Anyway, and I like the the you know people in the warehouse and everything, so that was cool. But yeah, so Michael Michael Scott, everybody. The next person on this list is who I spoke a little bit about earlier, Olivia Pope, played by Kerry Washington, on Scandal. Yes. 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 I watched Scandal. I watched it with my uncle and my aunt. I watched it where I, I. I don't know how or why. I just enjoyed the show a lot. And I think that's mostly because of Carrie Washington. Like, she exudes. She just had this strength and this, like, confidence about her. You know what I mean? Like, she was so confident she was fiercely confident and i think the fact that it was like oh you know this lady who's she works in politics she's sort of she's an attorney uh she's an attorney specializing in crisis management crisis management with the president with you know the government and everything and she ran her own firm as well she had her employees um you know and they become like family, and everything, and and they they they're the the kind of employees that just <laughs> that would really go down and get down and dirty, all right, and do what they do what they had to do to get what they needed, and <laughs> I think I think the fact that the biggest scandal was her and the fact that she would come off as this like strong independent woman who didn't need a man or didn't like you know didn't exactly seek out men in particular but if you haven't seen the show she had the biggest secret and didn't and tried to keep it tried her best for the first few seasons to keep it from everyone but if anybody who had eyeballs could see, it wasn't a very well kept secret. And then, her own family. So, like Olivia, we we learn that her parents are on two different sides of the law, and ones, and they're both terrible. They're both terrible parents. Like they're just they they like beat down on Olivia, and she has to deal it with it. She has to endure it, you know, and. She was born to a terrorist and to the leader of command, or leader of command of B-613, who was controlling a lot of the people that she was with, you know, high-level, top-secret government agency, responsible for making people disappear, like, people would just disappear, and it's just like, I don't know if this is real life, you know, But, but Olivia was intelligent, she was smart, she was ambitious, she was awesome but she had her own flaws of course but she tried to stick to her morals sort of even though once again she had one of the biggest scandals on the show but she tried to she she tried to stick to her guns tried to do what was right for a lot of the series and again it it wasn't common i mean it's pretty interesting that both like three of the women bosses that I've mentioned were, I mean, two of the women bosses that i mentioned were both lawyers and very, like, you know, hit the grind on the they're just, like, in it, you know? And then Khadijah was a magazine editor and producer and everything. So, I mean, and, and with Khadija, we didn't always see her background either, but we knew like, we did see her mom, we did see that relationship, we saw her relationship with her cousin, it really made it feel like you know and then she was best friends with Regine since she was little and maxine from college so it's just like we really did watch a little bit of how she did become that boss but at the same time like her own ambitions and her own intelligence wasn't bogged down by a crazy past (laughs) crazy parents or anything like that so you know it's pretty it's that was pretty interesting so yeah, Olivia's on this list because I loved Scandal. I loved the show. I loved watching it with my with my uncle and my aunt, and just like just like trying to find out who did what, how this happened, you know, how far was this gonna go, and all this stuff. And how honestly, it was just like how far can you stretch the truth? How far can you get away with stuff? And it's just it 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 was pretty cool, and I I was hooked. I was hooked from. From when it came on and I was hooked because it was just that kind of show to be hooked on. Next on the list is Richard Weber from Grey's Anatomy. Richard Weber was played by James Pinkins Jr. Or not was, but he is played by because Grey's Anatomy is still on. Of course it is, right? And... <laughs> <laughs> Richard, Richard, Richard. He once again is another one of those shows where um, we hear about the, we see the the history and everything. But he was the chief when we when Grey's Anatomy first started. And you know he's supportive. He's funny. He's you know he's chief of surgery. So you know he he did all these different kind of things. He, but he also. Has his flaws. Once again, we have somebody who we get to see a little bit more about because of its drama. So we get to see a little bit more about his past. We get to see you know how he became how he or who he is now. And what I enjoyed about watching Richard was the fact that like he was a pretty good boss. You know, like he loved teaching and he still does, which is pretty cool. He loved teaching. He loved what his work sometimes he'd take it home with him. And he also like he was also the kind of boss that would take the extra step a lot of the time to make sure that his employees were good. like he would check on them, he'd you know just give them some type of special attention. like he always tried to do the right thing, you know and act and he was definitely acted like a father figure to a lot of the interns when they first started a lot of the, you know, attendings and everything, like, he definitely had that, um, he definitely had that, like, element about him, and, I mean, I think when we started to learn more about him, we started to learn about his addiction to alcohol, and we learned about his... (laughs) His infidelities because you know he was dealing with Meredith's mom and he also had a wife and everything and then things transpired later in the series where she's kind of like wow and then we see how they cut how Meredith's mom, Ellis and Richard even got together like you know and th- this show Grace Anatomy is the kind of show that like I started I don't know I started it I didn't I ne- I never watched. The first episode on TV. I think I was... I don't remember how old I was. But I remember being at my grandfather's house. And it was late at night. And Grey's was like the only thing on. And so I started watching it. And I was just like, ooh. What is this? And this was back when they had the theme song. You know? The Nobody Knows Where You Might End Up song. And I I was watching it back then. And I was just kind of like, what is happening? And then with... With, so it, you know, Grey's Anatomy is that I love, I love Grey's Anatomy. I can talk about it forever, but it's just that show where it's just like, you, you, <laughs> you get into an episode. You got doctors with issues. You got doctors who were sleeping with nurses and in other doctors. You got, you got, you know, accidents coming in. You got people who were just like. <laughs> who have bulls from trains they're getting into these crazy situations or the one if you ever watched Graze there was like an episode where this man ate doll heads or this person ate doll heads i don't know and they were just it is was, was like why would she do that they had some weird cases and it was so intriguing and just watching richard like work was pretty cool you know and his 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 Like I said, his father like behavior towards everybody that came into the show and still that's still that behavior the behavior that comes into the show. And yeah, I thought he was a pretty good boss. I thought he, you know, did his job well when he wasn't drinking, you know. And there's a few times where it was just like felt like he was gonna go or he was gonna get kicked off the show, but he didn't, which was awesome. It was awesome. So that's great. The next T V show boss on my list is Captain Raymond Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, played by Andre Bauer. And let me tell you, Captain Holt is probably one of the funniest bosses on this list. He's a captain. That's one. He's a captain. He's a memorable character. His robot-like mannerisms when it comes to Jake and his like Jake Peralta and their dynamic, you know, where Jake is constantly looking for a father figure and Captain Hall is this, you know, he's just this like straightforward guy who very detail oriented, very matriculated and just particular about all these different things. And I just I loved I loved Captain Hall. And how he would just do things like when he when he would text people he was like sincerely Captain Raymond Holt or like you know when he would when when you would you could tell like if you were that kind of detective like Jake and he and and Ray was in trouble or something he would use like double negatives or something and it, the the little details of who he is as a person and how well he does his job is just amazing like. And I love the fact that, like, you know, in the show, his personal life never, like, bombarded the show. You know what I mean? Like, with with Olivia, her personal life really did. Like, it controlled a lot of her emotions. It controlled a lot of her actions. You know? With, same thing with Annalise Keating. Like, her personal life was the show. Like, it, all of the things that happened to her from when she was little all the way going up. To like dealing with these teenage, with, well, not they're, they're not teenagers. Dealing with these young people and and trying to mold them into to lawyers and things, with, well, I mean Ron Swanson is like also an, another kind of Ray, kind of Captain Hulk, but at the same time, like his personal life, especially with his two Tammies of different Tammy wives or whatever, like if it came into the show, it was really just because of whatever plot point they were trying to push. But him, Ron, and, and Captain Holt, Holt were the same kind of people. Like, they never let their personal lives get too involved in their work life. Like, and I love that. I love that they did introduce, like, you know, Captain's husband and everything. And they were just, like, they introduced that kind of life. And they, they the little details of him having the, you know, the pride flag or whatever. Like, that was subtle and it was beautiful because it was just kind of like he knew that his job was too important for and who he was as a person was too important to just be, you know, controlled by all of the things that's going on around him. And I I loved him as a boss. I loved his dynamic with Jake and with Amy, you know, even with Terry, I I... I, it was just like, you know, Terry looked up to him and, and they had those like intricate moments and things and just like trying to like teach one another. Okay, well, you know, maybe you could come to this approach in this way or I'm going to give you this much advice and all that. And I loved his relationship, even with Gina, you know, like she was his complete opposite in almost every way. And they worked so well together. I just I loved the, the his whole boss aesthetic. He was he was he was definitely a boss, and when he almost left, or he did quote unquote leave technically, for a little bit, and then he came back and was just like, yes, like he's the best, you know. And so yeah, I really like him as a boss. The Next person on the list is Leslie Nope, played by Amy Amy Poehler in Parks and Rec. Now she wasn't exactly she wasn't exactly Ron's status but she had ambition and she was smart and she was intelligent and she was funny and she was motivated nonetheless to make sure that the parks and recreation would be the best department and, and everything like she was technically the deputy director but you know it was clear that she ran the show especially since Ron Swanson didn't really want to run the show so he let he let Leslie do what she wanted to do and and in order to help the community and her motivations and her you know her strive to just like do the best thing for everybody was what was really intriguing to see intriguing to watch and like she she constantly strived to be better and just do better for the people of Pawnee and still be, you know, she still she still had time to be a, a pretty great friend, like she her best friend and Perkins, you know. She spent so much time trying to like really mold Anne and help Anne into the person that she knew she could be, you know. She kept her p- priorities straight, like she remembered. Who and what and she 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 like treated people with respect and everything like it was it was good, but it was it was I loved I loved watching her how she worked with April how she worked with Juan how she worked with Anne how she worked with Tom you know and and Jerry or Larry or whatever the cuss is. name <laughs> but like she she gave everybody in the job you know that type that like respect like okay i am the boss but this is how we're gonna do things in order to like really make a difference you know and finally last person last boss on the list and again i think that you guys would agree or maybe you know tell me oh you missed somebody i don't know who i missed tell me who i missed last person on the list is Dr. Perry Cox from Scrubs. And I really like Scrubs. I still could... Scrubs is another one of those shows I could just put on and I'm just like, yeah, this is a great show. It's funny. was the kind of boss that was very passionate about his job. He, you know, as a doctor, you see almost everything. You see the person's strength, the, person, the person's weaknesses. You see how, you know, things could have been preventable. You see how things could have gone a certain way. And he always tried to do the right thing. Like, at the end of the day, even though he was, like, an angry man, he tried to do the right thing, you know? Even though, technically, Bob Kelso was the boss. Boss? Like, the person in charge, the person that Dr. Cox had to, like, basically listen to, but he didn't. It was... It was more so like, well, JD, Turk, all of these other, all of these other people, some of the nurses would listen to Dr. Cox because he was, he cared more. He was more passionate about his job. And (laughs) I think that because, you know, he played that kind of role, like he sort of was a little bit of a father figure to JD. He really like, even though, you know, his, some of his tangents were like long and grueling and insulting he did he was he was a good man like he tried to help people and he tried to save people and he tried to teach JD that the world is not a game and I thought that that I thought that he deserved to be on my list because he had like he 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 was a human being and it showed <laughs> even though he was like mean as heck to JD he still taught him he still was that go-to guy where whenever JD was having any kind of trouble or any kind of like he he was that kind of that kind of boss that that was you could go even though you really couldn't go up to him and say, "Hey, I need your help." He mostly had you try and figure it out on your own. He was good. He was good. And then he had his on again off again wife, Jordan and all that, which was pretty cool, but he was he was sarcastic. He was witty. I enjoyed watching Doctor Cox do his thing. You know, like he definitely showed us as viewers that, <laughs> like, as much as you want, as much as you want things to work out and you want things to like make sense to the naked eye, this is this is the life that we're in. like. People don't have insurance. People don't have the same kind of abilities that they used to when they get older so yeah dr cox was a great doctor and i think that would conclude almost all of my my picks for today but i have one more that i want to touch on briefly and i and it's miranda bailey from Grey's anatomy like she's been the boss for the past i don't even know how many seasons but we've seen a cycle of so many different male bosses when it came to Richard, then there was, there was Chief McDreamy for a brief moment, aka, you know, Dr. Shepard, Derek Shepard, and then there was Dr. Hunt, Owen Hunt, and then there was a few that like, that kind of like slipped here and there for a little bit, even, even very brief, uh, even very brief, Alex was a boss, very briefly, you know. But there was a lot of male bosses on the show. I think that being the chief of surgery, being the chief of the hospital, where legit everything falls on you. So like, if something broke, if something fell apart, if something didn't go in the way that it was supposed to go, it would fall on the chief to, to fix it, to be the person to do what they had to do to make sure that it would be okay and right now in the series in the series like grays is going into a different feel well it's been going in a different feel for a long time i really enjoyed the first few seasons like i've said but right now while miranda's in charge and while gray is literally the only one left from the original five and that's not like almost all of the other five all the other five members except for one is still alive which is crazy to me um I mean it's not too crazy but I understand like people move on people leave and I'm still not too happy about the way one particular character left but it's neither here nor there the fact that Miranda Bailey is going through all of this and she's she's played by Chandra Wilson and she's She was this, like, Nazi character who just wanted the, it's a very, I mean, it's a very harsh nickname, but she, you know, she had rules. She just had things and she had ways that she wanted to go about um, the job. And most of the time, the ways that she wanted to go about it was the right way. (laughs) 99% of the time, she was doing things the right way. And she's a tough cookie, but she has to be. Because she had to... We see, again, this is, a, this is a drama. So we did see a little bit of her background. We did see a little bit of how she got to where she is today. But she excels. She's smart. She's intelligent. She definitely strove and was the best option to be the chief. And she should have been picked as chief over Derek Shepard and over Owen Hunt and over all of these different people. Because, like, her status and her history and her legend as she worked there was exceptional it was absolutely exceptional she's good at her job she has genuine affection she loves her and her colleagues her patience you know and she's a bit of a perfectionist but who isn't and she just makes other people better she taught gray you know she taught the five she taught she taught the new and up and coming people to 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 do better and to be better i mean yeah she's had some you know not so happy things happen like having a heart attack or dealing with the constant stress of her husband maybe not coming home you know and then her other husband who left her because he couldn't handle her success which i think is good riddance because he wasn't the greatest husband anyway but the, those episodes when she was having the baby and he was like down in the hospital and then there was like a, this uh, anyway <laughs> the first few seasons were probably my favorite not probably they were definitely my favorite i it's so funny because like i remember the first few seasons of grace so vividly so well that i could not tell you what happened at all <laughs> in certain seasons that I've already that that have just recently came off the, like came off the air. I'm st- I'm still watching Grey's like I have me and my friends were trying to watch it and everything, but it's just funny because like I'm not as invested in Grey's as I used to be, which I could I think is the same is the same truth for a lot of Grey's Anatomy fans. It's just not as engaging as it used to be. And I don't know if that's because a lot of people have left or the stories have just become so non-hospital focused, I guess. It's just, like, I I don't know how to put it exactly. I think that because of the way that Grace has now taken this turn into, like, trying to be more politically correct and trying to be more, like inclusive and all that stuff like i i understand it i agree that certain things should be shown but i'm i'm trying like when i watch tv and i think i think i could say this for majority of people when i watch tv i'm not trying to watch real life a lot of the time i'm trying to watch something that would take me away from real life something that is has nothing to do with real life. And the episodes where they were doing COVID and everything, like, I understood it, you know? Because doctors, this whole thing, the whole COVID thing was everywhere. And it was just like, if we don't talk about it, then we're acting like it doesn't exist. And I understood that, you know? Like, yeah, okay, you, you, you can talk about it and things like that. But it was, and I, I did love last season when they brought back all these old characters that was so awesome so fantastic that was great but at the same time i'm just kind of like i was like i wanted i want to watch a tv show where i'm not constantly reminded of what's happening outside my house so i mean i think that Grey's Anatomy still kind of does that where they where they have they've they've talked they're they're talking more about what's going on in the medical world and everything and there's a lot less scandal I guess going on like people are married people aren't getting busy in closets like they used to <laughs> not that I want to see that but I'm just saying like it's just it's definitely not what it what Grey's is definitely not what it used to be where it's just kind of like a fun dramatic show. That had a lot to do with the doctors in their lives. Which, I know that real doctors and Grey's Anatomy are complete opposites. Because real doctors, they're tired. (laughs) You you don't really see how tired doctors are. Unless you live with a doctor, unless you are a doctor. You don't really see how tired they really are. And Scrubs kind of did that too. Where it was just like, it sort of showed how tired doctors could be. But it also was just kind of like this fun show where we didn't have to think about everyday life. So yeah, that concludes my list of TV bosses. I think that there are a lot more out there, obviously. Like I could have mentioned, maybe talked about if I've seen the shows. But there are a lot of shows I haven't seen. There's a lot of shows on my list that I have to see. So once again, if you think I missed a show or missed a TV boss in particular, let me know. There are people that have let me know and I'm like, thank you. I respond back, people. I respond to the people that that take the time to talk to me. All right. So yeah, that was the episode. I enjoyed making it. I enjoyed talking about them. I enjoyed like reliving some of the Episodes in my mind to talk about, like just out of all of the shows that I mentioned in this here episode, I most likely I've seen, you know, because a lot of them are not on anymore. Especially almost every other show except for The Simpsons and Grey's Anatomy. Every other show that I've mentioned is gone. <laughs> Parks and Rec ended, The Office ended, Living Single ended, How to Get Away with Murder ended, Scandal ended, Scrubs ended, Brooklyn Nine-Nine ended. So it's just kind of like, this list is mostly about how memorable the boss was. Not exactly like, oh, they're on TV and they're a boss right now. No. No. And again, I know there's a lot of shows out there that I, I definitely missed, and there's still shows that I'm you know, catching up on, like, house. But, yeah, so this is the list. Like it or love it? I don't know. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks again for subscribing and tuning in to Katie Time. I do appreciate you. Thanks again, y'all. Deuces.